two of Short Box Summary. I'm your host, George, and it's Return of the King time, baby. Back in the studio. <laughs> we don't have a yep. fucking studio. Yeah, we do, dude. We're oh yeah. We pay for a huge studio in downtown LA. It's kind of a like a penthouse, actually. It's a penthouse slash studio. What's your favorite part? Mine is the the half pipe we got in the back. Um, I just like the free drinks. We get um yeah. lots of free sponsored drinks, energy drinks of all types, um, lots of free coffee. It's it's pretty nice. The perks are good. That's the coolest part of running a super successful podcast. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't take much. No, it does not. If your <laughs> podcast doesn't have sponsors, you're a fucking idiot. That sucks. Get better. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. Yeah, sounds like you didn't figure it out. You know that voice. You've probably missed that voice. That is the voice of my good friend Fabio. Fabio, how have you been, bud? Doing okay. Uh, unfortunately, haven't been reading too much. Um, but... Yeah, I'm excited uh, for the record session, George. Very cool. I have yeah. been reading, but not a lot of Marvel comics. I've been reading a lot of DC lately. Uh, if you're listening, you know that we have switched to a bi-weekly schedule because the Celtics had a great playoff run, and they made it to the finals. They'll be uh, facing off against the Golden State Warriors. This episode, I think, is coming out Friday, so you might already know that the Celtics won by 78 points in Game 1. It's a, it was a huge, huge effort from the team, um, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, even I watched it and cheered them on. Yeah, that probably won't happen, but God, it would be no. so cool. Can you imagine? Now, George, you said something about DC Comics. I've I never heard say. of this. Are you talking about the Distinguished Competition? That is exactly what I'm talking about. Fabio... You clearly know. I I think I know what that is. You clearly know because you're a comic book influencer. You're online. You're always talking (laughs) about comics. I didn't Uh, know what the fuck that was. Your great grandfather invented comics. That's why we got you on the show. Uh, Marvel would always refer to DC as the distinguished competition. They did that because it was cute and it was polite. And also uh, distinguished competition abbreviates to DC. So there you go. Also a little, a little belittling. Because they're like, they're like, yeah, they're our competent. They're like a, an interesting little competitor. They're, look at them, they're, they're distinguished. They're one of the few that can compete with us. It's very self-aggrandizing. It's interesting. Was that an internal thing? I don't know if they were doing it to be like condescending or pretentious oh, or whatever. Okay. I think they were just trying to be, you know, cheeky and cute. Like they all used they to hang out. Words like, back then. No, the reason we, uh, the reason there's the Fantastic Four is like Stan Lee was like golfing with people from DC comics and they turn and you're like, Oh, you know what? Like we got a team book. That's actually doing really well. Justice league. Like you should think about doing a team book. And then Stanley was like, how would we do a team book? And that was how the fantastic four came out. Wait, did he know, had he not done X-Men already? Uh, I don't think so. No, no, no. Um, fantastic four fantastic was like the first was before. Yeah, that was 1961. And then I think oh, shit. X-Men was 63. I want to say I'm not entirely sure. Well, that's fine. I don't give a fuck about Marvel. Right now, all I care is about the distinguished competition, George. Well, that's that's great. I've been reading a lot of DC lately just because I've had more time with bi-weekly episodes. And man, it's been really nice. I forgot how much I love DC Comics, especially DC Comics of this era. So, Fabio, put your shoes on, my guy. We're going to take a walk. Uh, let me hold your hand. Uh, let me brush that hair out of your eyes. If you could brush the hair out of my eyes, too, that would be great. And let's just go for a walk. Yeah, I got my Crocs on. Uh, I got the little flip thing set to the back of my heel, so I'm just ready to go. 
I'm not even kidding. I really do have Crocs on. I've been working all day in the diner, so I'm going to take off my Danskas and I'm going to put on my my Kivas, ready ready to go for a, <laughs> a nice moonlit stroll through the distinguished competition. Um, so this is operating under the assumption that you know Batman, you know Wonder Woman, you know all this. I'm just going to jump into the stories. These are like the biggest stories that sort of shaped the decade at DC Comics. And um, I tried my best to only pick important and good books. And uh, I picked a couple bad books, but it was just like amazing how bad they were. Um, what makes a oh, book important and good? I think that things changed after that book. You know, like they, okay. it, it's not like following a trend as much as creating a trend that is then followed. That makes sense. Okay. That's, that's how I think of important books. Um, we're going to go back a little bit before in the timeline, before we started talking about Marvel. We're going to go back to the year 2000. The first big story that we want to talk about is uh, happening. Y2K. <laughs> yeah, thank God. It's all coming this, back. This is right after Y2K. This is in May 2000. This happened in January. After Y2K. <laughs> I know where I am. Thank you. Yeah, God, what a time to be alive. <laughs> oh, God. Pre Patriot Act. Didn't even appreciate it. <laughs> JLA 43 to 46. This is a story called Tower of Babel. Um, this is a story where it's revealed that Batman has been keeping tabs on all of his JLA allies. And when <laughs> Raz al Ghul steals those files, he's able to neutralize the Justice League before enacting plans to reduce the population of the world in another one of his eco-terrorism plots. Classic. So Batman comes off as a real fuck face in that story, and I love it. And I really love it because it's 43, 44, 45, 46. It's four issues. It's four issues. It's like 90 pages. Yeah, no, that sounds like um, like Christian Bale did it in the Batman movies, and it was like kind of creepy, but like we were like, ah, it's fine, it's cool. And then, uh, but it feels like something the Robert Pattinson Batman would do, and just be mm-hmm. like really creepy about it. <laughs> like that's some creepy ass shit. Man, while we're talking about DC, you saw the Batman? Did you like it? I loved it. I did too. Yeah, there were things about it, obviously, whatever. But you know, like I, I think overall, it was a really fun movie that I yeah I enjoyed it. I like the way it looked like it, it just felt like mm-hmm. someone gave a shit about cinematography. And uh, if that yeah. sounds like a thinly veiled diss at Marvel, that's because it fucking is. I think Marvel movies look boring, uh, but DC yeah. looked or sorry, uh, DC's the Batman. I thought looked beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. It, it had like it had its own style. And I think that that's what's unique. And it's very rare to see that from a, from anything Marvel related. Yeah. I think like Loki was a great example of something that left me in awe. Like I was shocked by what I saw mm-hmm. and surprised me. But like it's super rare. And yeah, I, I do like that. At least with the DC movies, they have their own like style. Every single gotcha. one of them. I agree. Yeah. Next big story, we're jumping ahead two years. Um, this is called Bruce Wayne Murderer and Bruce Wayne Fugitive. And those do they both stories, have question marks? They do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and those those stories started in January 2002. Uh, Bruce Wayne is charged with the murder of his girlfriend, Vesper Fairchild. Locked away and unable to solve the crime, it's up to the rest of the Bat family to prove his innocence. Uh, feeling like Bruce Wayne is holding him back, he decides to break out of jail and he tries to leave his public persona behind. Those stories are fun. Like they're they're fun because it seemed like a sort of like less connected to the greater DC continuity. You know, like it was like just kind of like Batman just kind of doing his own thing. You know, just living the prison life. <laughs> yeah, only only for a couple of issues. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, that's yeah, it sounds fine. I guess if you really like the character. Yeah. yeah. Uh this next story though, big deal. This is called Batman Hush. It was by Jeff Lowe yeah. and, and Jim Lee. Have you read I Batman have read Hush? Hush. Yeah. H- Hush is good. Yeah, it was one of those like where if you're just looking for like a good series or whatever, like through um uh, graphic novels hush is like usually one of the top ones so yeah i definitely had picked it up at one point i don't even remember when. but yeah it is really good yeah i've been going through trying to collect the single issues because i only had like the trades growing up and so i've been trying yeah. my my goal is to collect batman from issue 400 on Oof. and i've got like around half of those issues so i'm trying to go back and find some you know good priced ebay lots for the rest and the first thing I did was collect Hush just because, goddamn, what a story. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I don't actually think it's that good of a Batman story. I think it's like a really good, like, everything but Batman story. Like, it does such a good job of taking you on a tour of everything about Batman. Like, you see a lot of rogues from the rogues gallery. You see his relationship with Superman. You see his relationship right. with his, you know, with Robin and with Nightwing and, and Batgirl and Huntress and, and all that stuff. And so I don't know if it's actually like the best Batman story, but it's such a good introduction i guess to like the greater batman world yeah no that's a fair point yeah because i mean those are characters that i don't i haven't really read much of um mm. like all the other ones so yeah it, i i agree yeah because it's kind of hard to know where to jump in with those characters but everything's kind of intertwined right at yeah. this point is there like batgirl and all that uh in in 2002 yeah, like did, they, did yeah. she have her own? She had her own. Line she did. Okay. She did have her own uh, series. Nightwing had his own. Robin had his own. Uh, everyone sort of had their their own. But uh, it it is always nice when they sort of like tie in to like the the main series because that almost makes it feel like a team up book, despite you know just having one character's name on the cover. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got. Uh, the Brad Meltzer, I think Phil Hester run on Green Arrow. This is like, I only included this because this was right after Kevin Smith ended his run on Green Arrow. He was there for 11 issues. And uh, I don't think his Green Arrow is as good as his Daredevil that he did with uh, Joe Casada, which um, we're probably going to cover on Shortbox Summary at some point. I've got a guest nice. who wants to talk about some later issues. I've got Fabio who wants to talk about those Kevin Smith issues. And so we're just trying to work out schedules to cover that stuff. But uh, I just wanted to include that just for context. Next big story was Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Trinity. And this was a three issue miniseries from beloved indie artist and author Matt Wagner. And it's a retelling of the first time the three titular heroes work together uh, one more time against billionaire eco-terrorist Ra's al Ghul. And they really don't like that son of a bitch, huh? Yeah, all he's trying to do is save the Earth like an asshole. Yeah, fuck him. I mean, the living forever thing sounds like it might not work out, you know? Because, like, it never does. Well, I think that's why he's trying to kill half the population so he can live forever longer, you know? Yeah, it's not. It's a little It's a little much. I I get it. But, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't realize how big of a part he had played. Like, I only knew him from, like, Batman, like, in a couple stories in Batman that I've seen him in. But, right. yeah, I don't know much about him. Next big story from February 2003, uh, Gotham Central issue one came out and we've talked about this story before. This is a series all about the Gotham City Police Department dealing with being normal humans combating metahuman crime in Gotham. It was by Ed Brubaker, Greg Rucka and artist Michael Lark. Um, Really fun series that only lasted, I think, 40 issues. So it was a little 
little premature ended, I, I thought, but uh, won a bunch of Eisner's really beloved story. Huh. Yeah, I've never read any Gotham City PD stuff. I know that there's like uh, still some ongoing stuff, right? Even over the last like few years, they still have a few different series going. Yeah, but nothing as like big and major as as what um as what Gotham Central did. Did oh. nothing made as big a splash, unfortunately. Okay. Next up, we've got Superman Birthright. And uh, this was a 12-issue series by Mark Wade and Lionel Francis Yee. This started in September 2003. And this was supposed to be like an updated take on the origin of Superman. And Lionel Francis Yee is probably best known for their work on Wolverine at the time. And like okay. really like sort of like dark and gritty shit like that's kind of their specialty so it almost sounds counterintuitive to have them on superman you know who's supposed to be like yep. big and, and bright and bold but i actually think it really works and i think this is a super fun story oh okay cool yeah i've seen it but i never read it uh, i recommend it i think it's on the hooplas oh sweet okay uh next up we got a superman batman book that started in october 2003 this is by jeff Loeb and uh I don't know if he's from Maine, but I know he definitely lives in Maine now. This guy named Ed McGinnis. Really fun book. This was taking place at the time when uh, Lex Luthor was president of the United States. He was president for a couple years. Whoa. Yeah. Really shot, really shot called on, on that uh, <laughs> this particular storyline about someone becoming president who, you know, fucking shouldn't be. Um, good story, though. Like, super fun. And it's like, uh, you know, just like a wild, crazy adventure where it's just like oh uh batman and superman are outlawed in the first story and lex luther like hires a whole bunch of people to like take them out because they're technically like breaking federal law or whatever and that story or that series actually becomes like kind of a linchpin for the dc universe like that's where supergirl is like reintroduced to dc continuity eventually in like a, a year or two oh okay uh good shit though good shit next up superman red sun yeah you read that one right yeah uh it's fine <laughs> um yeah i don't know it's it's an interesting like what if type story but yeah I don't, did that have any impact on the dc universe or was that just like a big what if yeah, just that like, yeah just yeah just a big deal okay just okay like, what yeah. superman's russian what the fuck like it's yeah. just one of those it's weird that we always like conflate superman with being american but like He's he's an alien. He's not <laughs> sure. from anything. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. Also fake. Let's no. not forget how fucking fake that guy is. No, dude, it's a story about geopolitics and it has to be real. So it was just man is real. <laughs> I'm including it because like it was sort of impactful just because it was like a, you know, big ass crazy what if story. Or sorry, not what if else world story. That's what they call. Them is that what they DC. call it? yeah oh okay but also it kind of felt like a movie right like it was three issues and it felt like sort of in the vein of just being like a smart cinematic presentation of this like known quantity you know like it felt i'm just saying fight club you know where it is just like holy shit where did this movie come from like that story when it came out was just like holy shit where did this come from did anybody think that that was going to be like the new continuity for a while like that from oh, now no. on? Okay. No. So it was like known as it was like established that this was like a side spin. Very much self-contained. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, next up. Crazy, though. <laughs> <laughs> next up, we got uh, a story called Superman Secret Identity from January 2004. 
Uh, written by Kurt Busiek with art by Stuart Eminen. This book is about a real person in a world where superheroes are fiction. You know, like Superman only exists in comics. And this person named Clark Kent actually gains the powers of Superman. So it's supposed to be like a like a realistic take, I guess, on on okay. what if Superman became real. Again, out of continuities, Elseworld story, but like really interesting. And it's got gorgeous art because Stuart Eminem is very, very good at their job. And again, that's confirming Superman is real. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, get ready. There's going to be fucking a lot of that shit happening on this <laughs> list. <laughs> what if he was real? Here's a comic about it. <laughs> <laughs> Please help us. Uh, <laughs> next up is a big ass, like 24 part crossover between all eight bat titles at the time lasted for three months holy shit yeah one of my first big crossovers when i started getting into comics this one's called batman war games never heard and of it. uh it's it's all right it's it was the book that like really got me into the bat titles at the time but looking to prove herself this new robin this girl named stephanie brown uh sees one of bruce's contingency plans for containing gang violence in gotham and <clears throat> like I said, she's looking to prove herself. So she goes out, she tries to enact it. You know, she puts the gears into motion. The problem is that she fundamentally misunderstood one part of the plan and inadvertently creates an all out war between Gotham's biggest crime families and nearly tears Gotham apart in the process. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun story, though, you know, as far as all out gang war nearly destroying a city um yeah 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 yeah. and so that was followed up with like a four issue aftermath series called uh batman war crimes (laughs) you know what did he do he didn't uh, you should read it (laughs) okay all right all right uh next up we got like another sort of out of continuity tale this one's called lex luther man of steel i think now they just call it luther though it is a five-issue miniseries by Brian Azzarello, who's like most famous probably for a indie series he did, or not indie, but like a Vertigo series he did called 100 Bullets. And that was just like a big, gripping crime. It was kind of like their take on The Wire. Like it wasn't like a one-to-one okay. story, but it was like going for similar vibes. Okay. And this was a five-issue miniseries just trying to like examine and explain and not even humanize, but just get like insight and motivation into like what makes Lex Luthor tick. And it's really good. Okay. It's like a, just a really good, like, you know, character study. And so they'll show up a little bit later. <clears throat> uh, next up, Batman Under the Red Hood. This is sort of a continuation of um, Batman Hush, in a way. I really like it. This was like my prime Batman stories. It was super fun because it was just like this one person named the Red Hood. Uh, who was just sort of like making life super difficult for for Batman, you know, and making life super difficult for a lot of the criminals in Batman's world. And so really like that story. And it ended up becoming it was super controversial at the time. Can I spoil? I can spoil, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's it's been 18 years. If you want to read it, it's it's our fault for not having read it. Yeah. Um, Basically, like Jason Todd comes back from the, the dead and like no one knows why and no one knows how. And so this entire story is like Batman trying to figure out, like, is this really Jason Todd? Jason Todd was the second Robin, the one that the Joker yeah, beat, yeah. beat to death with beat the crowbar. The shit out of yeah. And so it's him trying to decide if it's real because that was sort of hinted at in Batman Hush a little bit. But it turns out it was like a, a red herring there. Um, 
Okay. Really, really good story. Fucking people hated it at the time. This is happening around the same time that Bucky was coming back in the Captain America comics. And so it felt like who, who's copying who here? Like who yeah, had this idea yeah. first? Why are you both doing this at the same time? Right. And then we get no, we fair. get the origin of why in Batman Annual twenty five, I think it is that came out that year. Do you think that they were just trying to like catch up? And they were like, "Shit, we didn't explain anything." <laughs> yeah, it's just like, Put hey, can I see? Annual. Can I see your homework? Like, yeah, just change a little bit so they don't think. <laughs> It's like submitting a project and then jumping in like five minutes later because you know they're not looking at it yet. You know they're not. And you're just like, okay, I can change it now. Um, (laughs) Fabio, I'm about to tell you about one of these bad comics I was talking about. Ooh, I'm excited. Identity Crisis. This comic came out in June 2004. It's by Brad Meltzer and Rags Morales. Brad Meltzer, like an award-winning author. Rags Morales, one of the best comic book artists I've ever seen work on anything. This book is well-written and well-drawn, but I I fucking hate it. I just fucking hate this book. It is pointless. It is mean-spirited. Mean-spirited? And I hate hate rereading it. Basically, this book tells the story of the death of, like, one of the most beloved characters from a much more optimistic time in DC's history, right? So it starts off, first issue ends with like a character's death and it's like a horrific death. It is absolutely horrendous. And it is somehow like, it's a, it's a woman who's burned alive unrecognizably on what's supposed to be her anniversary with like, you know, the, one of the funny characters, like the heart of the DC universe. And then it's like revealed like, oh, there's actually like a positive pregnancy test, you know, like it was just like fucking horrendous. And there was like implied sexual assault. And then like the story oh, goes, God. yeah. Um, it's, so it reveals certain yeah, measures. I wouldn't want to read this garbage either. Fuck. <laughs> I was four, I was 14. It was rough. And so That's it reveal. it goes on like it's seven issues and it goes on to reveal like all these skeletons in the closet for the entire DC universe. And it like really takes a stab at these characters who it seems like we're just lying to preserve like their aura of innocence. They royally fuck over Batman, uh, tying into a story previously mentioned, the tower of Babel story. And it sets the course of Batman being a vindictive dick for the next like two or three years. Like it's just, did he do something bad and they revealed it? No, something bad was done to him. Oh, okay. 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 So wait, so any, any good characters that like did some messed up stuff that like some, some watchman level stuff. Oh yeah, there's a ton. Yeah, and it's like it takes like it, it's based on it what's called ruins the, everybody. <laughs> it's based on what's called the satellite era of the Justice League, where like their headquarters okay. was a satellite orbiting Earth, and it was like you know sort of like a more fun, high spirited time for for them. Okay. Um, and it just like shits all over that, and it's just it was really controversial at the time. I I bought it because the covers were by Michael Turner, who's like one of my favorite cover artists. Rest in peace, Michael Turner. Uh, and it's a fascinating thing to revisit, but I just fucking hate rereading it. What's this called again? Identity crisis. Identity crisis. And crisis is like a loaded term in the DC Comics universe because there is crisis on infinite Earths back in 1985. Right. Like destroyed the multiverse and made it so there's only one Earth. And then there was zero hour crisis in time. And now there's identity crisis. Like, it's just like whenever you see crisis in a title, you know, it's supposed to be a big fucking deal. Yeah. The cover art's dope as hell. Yeah. He was like, uh, the... he, was, he was like Jim Lee of the 2000s. All this, the empty suits. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Look it up if you can. It's cool shit. Oh uh, yeah, and like I said, it's well written. It's well drawn. I just fucking hate the story. Yeah, that's fair. It sounds mortifying. <laughs> I don't and know if I want to read it, but the the art's cool. And from what I've read, it's like very, very much like editorial mandated and like not what the author originally intended. I need to do more research on that. <laughs> but it seemed like a, like an objective from DC to to Interesting. You know, check these womp, boxes. Womp. Next up, uh, Green Lantern Rebirth. This series started in 2004, a six-issue miniseries by Jeff Johns and an artist whose name I'm not even going to mention because he's become such a big fucking Comicsgate proponent. And he's just a fucking uh, asshole now. Um, really talented. Wait, is this during the Rebirth era of like all of the comics? No, this something is not. Else. Okay. Something okay, else, okay. yes. I was like, that's way later, right? Yeah, that's 2016, yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like yeah. taken from this story, which was like the first big rebirth story, you know, just like what it okay. meant for the character. And it was like redefining Hal Jordan for the new century because he had been a villain in the 90s and then he'd been dead. And then he became a hero again and sort of like saved his soul, I guess. And then he was operating as the Spectre. He was like the human host for the actual vengeance of God, the Spectre. Holy shit. Yeah, and so this story is about, like, the Spectre sort of realizing, like, no, dude, you got fucking, like, taken for a ride. Like, we got to get you back. Uh, Really, really good story. Uh, Really, really love it. This is a super important series because it reestablishes Hal Jordan as Green Lantern, and it recreates the Green Lantern Corps as an ongoing comic series and turns those two into, like, a really, really big franchise for a couple years. So, big deal. Next series, not a big deal. All-Star, Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder. It was hyped as hell at the time. This was written by Frank Miller of Dark Knight Returns, of Daredevil fame, of Sin City, like that Frank Miller. And it had art by Jim Lee. And this was like, there was the ultimate universe going on over at Marvel. And it was like, you know, what if this shit happened today? What if these heroes were made today? And so All-Star line was supposed to be like half ultimate, like modern retelling. And then half just like kick-ass storytelling. Is this the goddamn Batman? This is the goddamn Batman. Okay, I've read it, yeah. Yeah, it lasted 10 issues. It took three years to get those 10 issues. I don't think the story ever finished, technically. Okay. Um, but Jesus. It. Yeah, because I remember Jesus it feeling fuck. like it just existed. Yeah, I was, like, I, was, okay. I was so excited. I'm like, Jim Lee on a Batman book again? This is going to be amazing. And then it took three years to get 10 issues. I'm like, this fucking sucks. Also, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Uh, Frank Miller m- might might be washed. You know, he might have lost a step as he's doing this. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm. I don't know. I can't think of anything else I've read by Frank Miller. Um, I've read a little Sin, bit of Sin, Sin City. City's really good. You would love Daredevil: Born Again. You like? I love Batman Year One. Dark Knight Returns. I think is overrated, but there's no oh wait, denying yeah, it. I did read that. Of course, yeah, no, that is Frank Miller. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No denying how important that book was for comics. I think like the art is incredible in that book. I just don't really care for the story. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, next book from November 2005. One of the most important comic series ever printed. This is All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. And this is probably this. the greatest Superman story of all time because it somehow makes sense of every Superman story across all eras of the character. Oh, Interesting. Really beautiful. Please read this. It's a timeless yeah. take on the character. And it's just really interesting and thought-provoking shit. Yeah, it is good. I did like it. It's not my favorite art style, personally. Yeah. I think it's interesting. 
It's mm-hmm. unique, but it's not like my favorite. But I'm with you. I'm with you. Still a good story. All right. You ready for shit to pop off and get crazy? Yes. Get crazy. Take your top off, George. <sighs> Woo, spring break. <laughs> In May of 2005, there was an 80-page comic book that came out called Countdown to Infinite Crisis. And it came out. Okay. It, cost a, it cost a dollar. And this had the writing team of Jeff Johns, Greg Rucka, and Judd Winnick. And then it had the art teams of Rag Morales and Michael Bear, uh, Jesus Saez and Jimmy Palmiotti, Ivan Rice and Marco Campos, Phil Jimenez and Andy Lanning and Ed Bennett. Oh, so it was like Jesus. a big team effort. And this is a set of story that would lay the groundwork for the next big event called Infinite Crisis. But basically it was sort of like a, like a sample dish, right? Where there would be a character try it was Blue Beetle, and booster gold trying to like uncover a mystery right and so they were just like they found like four dead ends and those four dead ends led into the countdown series as they'd be known it was four different series one was called the omac project that came out in june 2005 and that dealt with batman trying to regain control of a rogue satellite that can activate random people as metahumans capable of neutralizing superheroes and the super shitty shady spy agency that they uh, that controls it then there was Ran Thanagar War, which is like a big fucking beautiful space opera book that was written by Dave Gibbons, the guy who drew Watchmen, and it was drawn by Ivan Rice. And it was like an all-out war between these two planets, between Ran, where Adam Strange and like these, you know, a beautiful future basically like looks like the Jetsons, and uh, Thanagar, like where Hawkman and Hawkgirl and Hawkwoman are from. And it's an all-out war, and it's like basically like forcing the universe to like choose sides as to like who are you going to support in this war then there was villains united by gail simone and dale eaglesham and this talked about like a new legion of doom that lex luther was forming and there's the six villains who like refuse the offer and actually try to take the legion of doom down super fucking good that book's incredible and then there's day of vengeance which dealt with a magical uh character sorry dealt with the magical characters of the dc universe trying to fight uh, an unhinged specter. Cause ever since he released Hal Jordan from like bonding to him, he's just been on like a crazy rampage where he has like no context for the shit he's doing. So those four stories spun out of countdown to infinite crisis. And this is probably my favorite comic book event of all time, Fabio. Like I think the story's beautiful starting with countdown going into these four side, like mini series that kick off the event leading into the event. And then a couple like tie in specials that happen during the event. I think it's all fucking beautiful i think it's gorgeous i love how expertly contained and organized it is i just love everything about it you think it's organized because i think i tried reading it and i felt like i was missing a lot of stuff like it was like go back to this issue and i was like fuck i think you're right it's organized as relative to like i'm just thinking about like the (laughs) onslaught crossover right (laughs) of of, like x-men or like age of apocalypse which like if you weren't reading it like in release order you were just kind of fucked uh, but this, like the fact that it's like, okay, get one trade called Prelude to Infinite Crisis that has like two books, then get like the four individual trade paperbacks, like the OMAC, the Ranthanagar, the Villains United, and the Day of Vengeance, and then you get Infinite Crisis, and then you basically get like the whole story. I used to reread this every summer just because it reminded me of like summers because oh, that was like when the event really kicked off, and I just fucking love it. No, that's fair. No, it it is impressive. The art is gorgeous. Um, it is like just looking at what's happening like uh, and I, I haven't read too much of the like space galactic shit 
from DC. But I mean, just like looking at it, it is very impressive. <laughs> like looking at the art through it. Um, and yeah, if I can, if, if I can figure out the best reading order where I feel like I'm not missing out, if there is a way to do that, or would I just have to read fucking goddamn 900 issues of Batman to understand what's happening? Oh no, it's not that big of a crossover to be honest. And like, there's, okay. <clears throat> there was a bunch of delays on like when infinite crisis was shipping. And so like, it does get confusing there because it's like each of those four miniseries has like an infinite crisis special where it's like ran Thanagar okay. war infinite crisis special one. And like, Oh, you read that between issues five and six. I actually don't think those issues are particularly important. It was just like extra shit for the people who are, you know, into it like me as like a 15 year old, I think as a 30 year old, I'm just going to reread like the, the main miniseries and then like but that's the actual you event. know what happens. Yeah. But like, I don't remember what happens. I'm like, Oh yeah. Jade, <laughs> Jade is there. I'm like, I think Jade is Alan Scott's daughter. That's all I really remember about that one issue. I can't tell you what happens in anything else. I just remember seeing her I'm on spaceship. I'm going to need to read the, the Jade spinoff. <laughs> it's going to drive me crazy. All those led into Infinite Crisis by writer Jeff Johns, artist Phil Jimenez, Jerry Ordway, George Perez, rest in peace, Ivan Rice, and Joe Bennett. That started in October 2005, right in time for my sophomore year of high school in this this is the event. This is fucking incredible. It's the 20th anniversary of uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And it's like the story that brings back the multiverse to to DC. Except instead of being okay. infinite, it is 52 different Earths is like the the number they decided on. Is that where the and, new 52 comes from and all that? Is that just like some lucky number for, for DC? 52? It basically it basically is. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> So not only did the multiverse came back, uh, characters who were thought long gone for decades, they came back too. And this saw the growing quote unquote, like darkness that was happening from like identity crisis and like certain Batman stories and like all this like horrendous shit that just felt like they were like one upping themselves and how dark and fucked up they could be. They okay. really used this to like kind to like tone it down and like wiped all that away. I mean, they didn't, but it was like kind of not really, but, but they tried was the point. They okay. tried, to, they, they tried to, <laughs> to make it less fucking dour and depressing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that led into like one of the coolest comic experiences or comic, like not even experiences experience. Yes. But like experiments I've ever seen and get ready. That lucky numbers back. There was a series that was just called 52. Oh, interesting. And that was by like a, Four-person writing team is by Jeff Johns, Mark Way, Grant Morrison, and Greg Rucka, and it had like a dozen artists on it. And the dozen oh, wow. artists, it was a weekly comic book series that ran for a full year. No oh, issue wow. was laid. So every week, if you had nothing to get, you still had 52. And as comics were getting more expensive, they came out and said like every issue is going to be $2.50 because that was kind of like the standard price back then. And uh, basically, Infinite Crisis ends, and then all the books did this thing called One Year Later, where they just jumped ahead a year. And then 52 okay. was filling in the missing year between the end of Infinite Crisis and where all the other books oh, were. Oh, geez. Okay. And so jump around. So, like, each author had, like, their own character they kind of specialized in. So, like, Grant Morrison was writing, like, all the Batman stuff. And uh, Jeff Johns was doing, like, all the Booster Gold stuff that was there. Really, really fun book. Really interesting shit. Really liked it. Um, and this is around the time I think like some really, really good uh, single issues came out or like single series came out. 
I really liked the Robin series by Adam Beechin and Freddie H. Williams at the time. I really liked Batman by Grant Morrison and Kubert and Tony S. Daniels. I really liked Action Comics by Jeff Johns, Kubert, and Gary Frank. Secret Six was like a continuation of Villains United. And it was just focusing on like the villains. Uh, it was by Gail Simone with Ken Lashley and Dale Eaglesham. Supergirl by Sterling Gates and Jamal Eagle was fucking fantastic. And Batgirl by Brian Q. Miller, Lee Garbett, Perry Perez, and others. Th- that book was awesome. But if you're going to read any of those, Batman by Grant Morrison is just like such a head fuck. I, I cannot recommend that book enough. Whew. And so those were like the, the individual titles that spun out of Infinite Crisis that I really enjoyed. Oh, jeez. Okay. And this was during, this is what year? Or this during was what uh, like roughly 2006, 2007. Okay. Okay. Got it. Just trying to figure out the level of angst I was at when these came out. Yeah, I was uh, fuck. I was like a junior, senior in high school. Yeah, the devil and God are raging inside me had just come out. It was a, <laughs> yeah. it was a very strange time in my life. Feeling all of your feelings all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right, Fabi. You say you don't really know too much about the cosmic heroes, right? No, I don't. At DC. All right. One of the coolest stories I've ever read was called the Sinestro Core War. And that is okay. a pain in the ass to say out loud, but um, it's done by Jeff Johns, Ivan Rice, that piece of shit whose name I'm not going to say, Peter Tomasi, <laughs> Patrick Gleason, and others. And this started in August of 2007. And so basically, like, do you understand the concept of the Green Lantern Corps? Yeah, yeah. I've read a little bit of it. I read it during the um, Brightest Day, Darkest Night, or whatever okay. it's called. Blackest Night? Blackest Night, yeah. Uh, I read that series and kind of followed up with like the Red Lantern Corps. And I read a little bit of, of a few different uh, spin- of those spinoffs. But yeah. All right. Very cool. All right. That's that's huge. That's like Blackest Night. We're going to talk about that in a second. That's like oh, part th- that's like part three of like the Green Lantern of the 2000s. Right. OK. That's like the, the third act of the story. And so Green Lantern Rebirth is the first act. And then Sinestro Corps War is act two. Okay, got it. Yeah, I missed and, a lot of context, yeah. but I just kind of picked, jumped into it, mm-hmm. just because it seemed fun. Yeah, and it was <laughs> it was still it was still fun, right? Yeah, even even without the context. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did that's a good like job, like mainlining that that whole story yeah. arc. Yeah, I know comics are big and confusing and like kind of like almost intimidating, right? Because it's just like there's so much shit going on, and like yeah. I think modern TV and modern movies have actually done kind of a disservice by like telling you what to think and what to feel all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree. And uh, comics, like there's no time like the present to just jump in. Right. Like if you want to read a story, I this podcast is all about telling you like a, a reading order to go through, but that's not like the right answer. The right answer is just read what you fucking want. Like read what you think looks cool. Right, right. Yeah, that is the best way. I, I stress out over it and it's unnecessary. <laughs> but yeah, that is probably the best. Just jump into it. You'll figure it out probably. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Well, you were talking about like the Red Lanterns and shit. This was like the first time like we'd seen like a couple random people who represented cores, like different okay. colors on like the uh, electromagnetic spectrum, basically. And so there's uh-huh. all these colors that sort of apply to different emotions in the universe. And green, <clears throat> Roy G. Biv. Green is right in the middle. It's willpower. And so it's supposed to be like the most balanced of all of them. And that's why the, the Guardians chose green to be their core. Um, because it was like the most balanced and like least emotionally d- dependent of, of all the emotional energy in the universe. Okay. And then um, 
again going Roy G. Biv, like it's it's so dumb, but it's so smart. I don't really know how to describe it. Right next to willpower, then is yellow. Like right next to green is yellow, and that's the Sinestro Corps, and that's all about fear. Mm-hmm. And so the Sinestro Corps war is just like a giant crossover between Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. And <clears throat> Sinestro having assembled his own core of like the scariest people in the galaxy, the people who get to inspire the most fear. And it starts yep. off fucking awesome sense. where it's like Batman is just working in the Batcave. And then all of a sudden a Sinestro core ring shows up and it's just like Bruce Wayne of earth. You have the ability to inspire great fear. Like, will you join the Sinestro core? Oh, <laughs> like that's shit. how it's, that's how it starts off. And then I think it eventually goes to Scarecrow, you know, cause he uses like his fear gas or whatever. Right. But shit just pops off from the beginning. And then there's like a huge assembled like council of like the most feared people in the universe. And like it's it was just like, oh, my God, like they got these people. These are some fucking heavy hitters. And it's just it's really good. Yeah, no, that sounds dope as hell. I never really read too much about it and didn't know like that sounds like they're just going to be using a bunch of terrifying demons to fight everybody. And that sounds like that's what I'm into. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. OK, cool. Yeah, that yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. All right, we are winding down, actually. Um, The next big story that happened, Final Crisis. This is by Grant Morrison, J.G. Jones, and Doug Mank. This came out in May of 2008. And so Grant Morrison is a genius, right? They are incredibly gifted, incredibly smart, and they have a penchant for just telling these big, crazy stories. And so Final Crisis has crisis in the title, so you know it's a fucking big deal. But this is Grant Morrison's take on a universe-ending event. And like what these fictional super gods can really accomplish in a meta textual interpretation. Cause that is Grant Morrison is fascinated by the relationship that not just these characters have with each other, but that we as the audience have with them. Right. Interesting, and so yeah. Grant, Grant Morrison has talked about uh, the fact that we are gods to fiction, right? Like the fact mm-hmm. that like we're able to see time as a totality in the form of a comic book where we can like actually flip between the moments of time, you know, between panels and pages and like everything exists all at once. Super deep shit. Right. And yeah, he goes, yeah. sorry, not he, they, they go in and address this in, in final crisis. And it took me probably 10 tries to read this book before I actually liked it. And okay. then it took me another 10 tries before I decided it's like one of the best things I've ever read. Oh, shit. Okay. It is <clears throat> super convoluted, super all over the place. And I'm not saying you will have to read this, <clears throat> you or anyone listening. I'm not saying you'll have to read this 20 times, but I'm saying I had to read this at least 20 <laughs> times. And I just reread it last winter. Okay. And it's fucking phenomenal. Like I, I was very, very impressed with it. And much like Infinite Crisis, it has these tie-ins, but like the tie-ins don't really extend beyond a page in like any sort of like main DC books. Like there's a two-issue Superman tie-in that's really important to the story. And it technically ties into like a random action comics page, but or action comics issue. But it's like literally just the last page where it's like, Superman, I'm here to steal you from a moment in time. Like, come with me. We need your help. And it's just like to see what happens. Like, Superman gets yeah, returned yeah, yeah. right after this conversation because of how time works. <laughs> like, like that's like the tie-in that's like not like an official tie-in, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But like the miniseries tie-ins are really good. And so, like, if this isn't your cup of tea, happening at the same exact time was called Final Crisis: Legion of Three Worlds, which is by Jeff Johns and George Perez. Again, George Perez, R.I.P which was a much more traditional take on like a giant universe ending 
event, you know, so like you got a little bit of everything. There's like a really interesting religious sort of uh, examination called Final Crisis Revelations, where it's sort of revealed that uh, the, the character Vandal Savage is actually Cain from the Bible, you know, like the very, like, oh, like the, the spirit of murder who's just existed forever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's a little bit of something for everyone. Really good shit. That's interesting. Does he ever present the idea that maybe Abel deserved it? I can't remember. Cause I haven't read that series okay. since it came out, but I'm sure, <laughs> it, I'm sure it came up. I'm sure it came up. I actually, I might reread final crisis. Like, there's just something really special about reading like a big crossover in the summer. Like something about it just like feels right. You know, it's the okay. comic equivalent of like a tentpole movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I might do a, might do a deep dive on final crisis. Although I'm about to lose time because the Celtics are going to win in four games against the Warriors. Right. So I've only right. got like it's a, I've only got like another week of a biweekly schedule. Yeah. It's written in time. <clears throat> sure is. And the totality of time as witnessed on these comic book pages, <laughs> we call life. You just edit all this shit out later, just in case they do lose. <laughs> nobody would ever know. No, it's cool. I am projecting. I'm manifesting uh, the Celtics winning. Yeah, we can also just come back and add like a different bit where we're like, yeah, we know the Celtics are going to lose. And then we, <laughs> we we called it. No, it's it's like in the West Wing when he's just like, I want to see your concern in uh, not West Wing in Parks and Recreation when she's like, when I'm strong enough, I want to see your concession speech. And he's like, I never wrote a concession speech. It's just, it's, just like, it's exactly like that. <laughs> Next up, we got Flash Rebirth again, not to be confused with DC Rebirth that happened in 2016. Yep. This is the return of Barry Allen to the DC universe, sort of tying into Final Crisis or like spinning out of Final Crisis. And it's a really nice story, I guess. I don't know. I don't really care for Barry Allen that much. Like the writer grew up, Jeff Johns grew up like loving Barry Allen and like Silver Age Flash because like his grandpa had comics and he would like read all these comics as a kid and that's you know where he got all this knowledge for dc and he's just like i always just thought barry allen was like ahead of his time i mean he was a like a criminologist back in the 60s when like no one knew what that was i'm like oh your big reason for wanting to bring barry allen back is because fucking csi is popular right now like that's your reason like all right i don't love that because you you really fucking hamstringed my guy wally west um yeah i mean uh he can read every book in seconds so like you know, he could really be anything. He doesn't necessarily need to be a criminologist. He's pretty much any 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 occupation you could think of. He can learn it. Yeah, God, seconds. you know what we don't have enough of is fucking rocket surgeons. Let's get more of those on deck. Yeah, like, sure. What happens? What happens when a rocket's pregnant? You know, like what, yeah. what are we supposed to do then? Call Barry. Call the ro- call the rocket surgeon Barry Allen. <laughs> Next up, <clears throat> July two thousand nine, Blackest Night. This is like the final act it's not the culmination of jeff john's working on green lantern but it's like the probably the climax of it okay and this is a story you've read it you want to explain blackest night to us or i read it so fucking long ago like probably close to 10 years ago now but um yeah it's like a bunch of the dc characters die Mm -hmm. uh are killed or like it was like some kind of snap right basically yeah so it's like it's like the war of light is happening right like all seven of the different like cores are fighting each other and because they're so distracted they don't notice the black lanterns and black lanterns are given to like every dead person ever and it turns out a bunch of these fucking heroes have died so if they've died they're connected to this god of death and he's able to like steal them 
it's so awesome. he's like reviving them and using them now yeah and so like batman died superman's died pretty sure wonder woman has died you know like barry allen just came back from the dead you know <laughs> like it's just all these right. characters like the revolving door of of comics uh kind of allow for people to die and come back all the time and i'm pretty sure after this they like tried to put a moratorium on like the revolving door of death in, oh, really? in comics i think they were like really conscious about trying to like you, if someone dies it has to be meaningful and they can't just bring him back right away like i think that was sort of like the new established sort of continuity that they tried to okay. do yeah but i remember there being a huge marketing push for this series um like they really they really pushed it really heavily which is why i found out about it in the first place but yeah it lasted quite a long time no yeah, it was a big, it was eight issues. It was probably like came out over the course of like a year and a half when you add in like the, you know, like the the preamble stuff, like the prelude that was happening in Green Lantern and like the tie-ins and all this shit and like the fallout yeah. um, from it. Um, yeah, really awesome book. Like that felt like a, this was happening. Jeff Johns is kind of like the Brian Michael Bendis of, of DC for all intents and purposes. Like, you know, big yeah. sort of idea guy. I got to write like a lot of the flagship titles, wrote a lot of the events. Um, super interesting career. I have read so much conflicting shit about him being an asshole on the set of, of justice league to Ray Fisher. I have no oh, idea. what's going. Yeah. So I have no idea what's going on there. I don't know what's real and what's not real. I'm going to, side with ray fisher and just probably yeah. assume that jeff johns was in the wrong because i don't know why you would like make up that story ray fisher's gotten a lot of support as well so from like yeah other so cast members again like i'm, I'm not trying to like blow up you know like uh or like you know i'm not trying to like stan a guy who's been accused of some horrendous shit but like there's there's it's unavoidable if you're talking about this era of dc comics like you just kind of yeah no that makes sense yeah and so this honestly seemed like a good out for me in in DC Comics because like Jeff Johns helped me love DC Comics with like Green Lantern and Infinite Crisis and all this stuff. And then Blackest Night was like kind of the end of like a big story, you know, or not the end, but like it felt like it was an ending. You know how like Return right. of the King ended 19 times? It's <laughs> like, yeah. oh, this, this was like the Eagles, you know, and then all of a sudden it ended four more times after that. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just remember that that was the first time I was exposed to like I had I think I knew about Yellow Lantern core from I don't know some other 90s shit that was shoved in my face as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um but I had never heard of like these other cores at all. So it was like a huge like in, like point of interest for me just like what the fuck this dude just got a black lantern like that's the most badass shit. Like he's going around like using dead people. Like it's just the coolest like most interesting thing i was like what the fuck is this what the fuck is this like it was yeah it was a lot of like what is this and and like learning all this new stuff that i had never seen before i I thought it was very exciting whereas i might not have been super into green lantern like specifically hal jordan personally just i i don't love his character usually but um i mean like I, i think that that was like such a cool introduction to like all the different lantern cores and all these new characters i'd never seen before Mm-hmm. um yeah it was a really fun series yeah i really recommend it and like one thing that's really interesting about dc too is just like how much shit that happened before matters like i think we've sort of learned like just talking about all these marvel stories is a lot of them are kind of like relevant to then right like 
like you there there's like the Captain America story we talked about, right? Like it was really dependent on Bucky dying 40 years ago, right? Or a hundred sure. years ago, whatever the fuck it happened a million years ago. But like, besides <laughs> that, like nothing we really talked about, right? Like the whole thing started with like Avengers disassembled, you know? Yeah. Like that was the thing that sort of kicked everything off. That and like is. that referenced one older story, but like infinite crisis was like a sequel to crisis on infinite earths. Green Lantern Rebirth was really dependent on the death of Superman arc, you know, from like 1990. The fact uh-huh. that Superman died in Death of Superman played a really big role in Blackest Night. You know, like it's just like That's it felt true, like a bit yeah. more connected. And we were talking about President Lex Luthor earlier. And like the entire reason that like Batman Fugitive Batman Murderer happened was because he felt slighted by Bruce Wayne during No Man's Land, which was like an event from, you know, eight years earlier or like six years earlier, whatever, five years. Yeah. And so, like, everything just feels, like, a bit more connected. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think that what gets confusing is, like, are these the same characters? Are these the same, like, is this a continuation of that specific? Was that one the canon one? You know, like, because, mm-hmm. you know, they do go their own ways eventually, right? Where they, like, kind of rewrite the a situation with Lex. Like, maybe, you know, one writer writes a story about Lex and then the next writer comes in and it's Lex is still in it, but it's they're not it's not a continuation. It's an entirely like its own thing. Um so like did this event make those things canon? Like the most like canon of the of that or is it just different Earths? Like how do you describe that? Um that's a great question. That's a loaded question because I'm actually pretty sure Lex Luthor has been like a hero and a villain and then a hero and then a villain like Right. He's flip flip flopped a bunch, like just in the last five years, you know, like let alone the last ten. And so, like that is kind of like the confusing and honestly probably like frustrating thing about comics is like it is really just which way is the wind blowing today, right? You know? right. <laughs> and like, and then again, it's like it, there's a saying in Maine where it's like I'm sure there's a saying everywhere. This is way too fucking generic, but it's like oh, you don't like the weather? Just wait 15 minutes. You know, it's just like it, shit's gonna change. Don't worry about it. For in Arizona, it's like wait fifteen minutes, and then it's like, well, now you really hate it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Sun is still super high and super hot, yeah. huh? Sure, sure yeah. is. Keep complaining. They get better. A f- <laughs> just a few more stories to go. Uh, this is around the time. Let's see, we're in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. This is around the time of the death and return of Bruce Wayne. This is around the time of a new Batman and Robin series. And this is around okay. the time of Battle for the Cowl and this thing called Batman Inc. And yeah, I'm just I giving Batman Inc. Yeah, just a special shout out. This is sort of like the ending of Grant Morrison's tenure on Batman. And they just went above and beyond trying to explore every facet of the character. So much the same way that All-Star Superman was sort of validating every era of superman and contextualizing it very much the same thing just over many more issues over many more years happening on batman where in the 50s batman was like going to other planets you know and just like doing all this weird shit like fighting like giant cyclops aliens you know and like coming back on the the bat rocket or whatever and so grant morrison's goal was to like figure out a way to make every single batman story true okay and so that that comes to an end here with with this and battle for the cow was like a big crossover that Grant Morrison honestly like I, I don't think wanted any part of but it was still happening at the time and it was a big crossover I remember that was like sophomore year of college and that was like as my interest was starting to wane in comics 
And then uh, by junior year of college, uh, Flashpoint came out in May 2011. That was a five-issue miniseries by Jeff Johns and Andy Kubert. And this is all about Barry Allen trying to go back in time to save his mom uh, from being murdered. And in doing so, he inadvertently creates a hellish new reality where everything is different (laughs) and fucking terrible. And in trying to fix his fuck up, he inadvertently fucks up things again. And then every single every single book that was going on at D.C. was canceled in August of 2011. Oh, wow. Or I, I guess July of 2011. On the last day of August, two books came out. One book was Flashpoint number five, and the other book, I believe, was Justice League number one. DC did like <laughs> it got a canceled soft, that one. <laughs> it got a soft reboot, and then the new 52 happens. Okay. And so got there it. is 52 brand new issue number ones that come out over the course of the entire month. And there is some good books there. I don't personally like the Snyder Capullo Batman, but that's regarded as like one of the best, one of the best Batman runs of all time. I personally really like the Azarello and uh chang i think was the artist on it uh wonder woman run jeff johns kept doing green lantern with doug mank uh it was really confusing because dc sort of like pretended certain characters never existed and then pretended certain stories never existed and then reset the clock and made these heroes younger and validated a bunch of things and invalidated a bunch of other things all of a sudden the justice society of america one of my favorite team books they were just gone like all these oh, wow. characters that we've been sort of like I've had a relationship with, like Wally West was not in the new 52, you know, like my, my flash wasn't there. And so they just sort of, I like, own the first several books for, for a few of these new 52 comics. Uh, do, do you like them? I didn't like the flash. I thought it was too silly for me. Um, yeah. It was like, it was the fucking weather enemies. <laughs> I forget uh, the what weather they're wizard. called. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, there's like three of them. Oh, I think. What do they call themselves? Yeah, it's uh some ice guy. I, oh yeah. Well, they, yeah. Well, they call themselves the Rogues, I think. Um, okay. But yeah, it's like Weather Wizard and Captain Cold. I think I don't know. I haven't read a bunch of <laughs> yeah, that right. yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. I didn't love he, it. I thought he it was wave. Funny. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to think if there was any new 52 that I actually like really enjoyed, but I know that I didn't stick it out for very long with the new 52. Um, I thought that there was going to be like a, a a more interesting relaunch where like I could kind of jump in and like enjoy something (laughs) Mm -hmm. without having any, without needing any other context. But um, yeah, I don't know. It kind of, I kind of got bored really quick with it. Um, I didn't, I didn't know where it was going, I guess. Yeah. The the Batman Superman run with, by, I think it was Greg Pak and, uh jay lee like that was really well regarded uh jeff lemire i think on green arrow i'm pretty sure like again i didn't read a lot of these books this was happening around the same time as marvel's fear itself event which i really really disliked and so between fear itself just being like this over bloated mess and new 52 being like what i consider a big miss I didn't buy comic books for like four or five years after both of those happening all at once. And so I'm like still, still trying to catch up from my time off. I missed a lot of shit. Uh, And so that's why this comic book podcast is all about the mid 2000s because I know it pretty (laughs) well. Um, Yeah, I jumped in like right before the new 52 happened because I remember Batman Inc. and all that and I was buying mm -hmm. those. Um, 
and then yeah as soon as i kind of got bored with new 52 i think i just took a break from buying comics for a little while i think i might have picked up some marvel stuff here and there but yeah i took a big break until um marvel did their uh their their relaunch for marvel what was it called marvel now marvel yeah marvel now and all new all different yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. I like the Marvel Now. The Marvel Now stuff got me back in the stores, you know. Yeah, yeah, same. It was really fun. Also, dude, I could. I was in L.A. You went to my apartment in L.A. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't afford a lot of space in my apartment in L.A. Couldn't afford a lot of bed frame in my apartment in L.A. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like all my spare money was going towards honestly alcohol, cigarettes, and comic books. That was like what I was like trying to do. And so even then, like. I'd go to the comic book store like once a month, you know, like maybe I'd go out on a special Wednesday. I'm like, oh, there's a new series I really want to check out. And honestly, like one of the most valuable comics I own is because I like randomly went to a shop. I'm like, oh, I've heard good things about Miss Marvel, like this new, you know, teen superhero. Yeah, yeah. And so that's like one of the only comic books I I own from that era, (laughs) which is just now. Uh, it's yeah, it's like over 200 bucks now, which is just Jesus. like wild. It's like that, and then like some random issue of like Namor I have from the 70s, it's like my <laughs> second most valuable one, and then like issue one of the boys. Those are like round out my top three. I have so really Marvel... good copies of uh, uh, year one Batman that I got Ooh. for some reason insanely cheap on eBay one time, like mm-hmm. long time ago. And uh, yeah, they're still in great condition. I don't know what the fuck to do with them, but yeah. Nice. Those are probably like, I don't know, like 40, 50 bucks each, 60 bucks yeah, each. Depends yeah, I on have the, the whole series. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was like my my random going in. Like I remember checking that out and like the John Hickman Avengers shit. Um, yeah, it was again, like that's just like an era I'm trying to, to re-explore. And so like doing this podcast is great because I get to go back and check out these books I was super into in high school and figure out if they were good or if I was 15, (laughs) which is, I think like, I think everyone should do like really like go back. If you think something is your favorite from when you were a kid, go back as an adult and like re-examine it, you know, make sure it's like when you were like 18, 19, you know, yeah, you're a different, you're a different person every day. Go, go back and and re-examine the things you you think you love just to make sure you still love them. And I remember I thought Moulin Rouge was good. And then I try to rewatch it and uh don't feel the same way about it anymore (laughs) yeah same thing like kevin smith right like kevin smith meant so much to 14 year old george and 13 year old george and like i'll always i'll always love kevin smith but like it just it just doesn't mean the same to me as it does then and it took revisiting that still a big fan of clerks and mall rats yeah i honestly i think i think those are probably his two best ones yeah like man I've got a lot of chasing Amy shit up in my high school room. Oh you know? yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've always, like I've, <laughs> I have the entire, like there's one poster. I like went to Jay's secret stash in Jersey when I was like driving down to Florida with my sister once we stopped by the hit, like his comic book store. And I yeah. grabbed like the poster. That's like Kevin Smith's entire monologue about Amy. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's just like a super fucking long poster, right? For all the dialogue. And then I grabbed like the final page from Chasing Amy. They made like an art print of the art of like the actual comic made in the movie. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, okay, I can like stand by these. But like I had some other shit that I had to like, eh, I'm just going to give these to some friends, I think. <laughs> and again, uh, not that he's bad. I'm just I'm just not 15 anymore. You know, like my my priorities yeah, change, yeah. my my opinions change. And so I'm not I'm not knocking on Kevin Smith. I, I, I like him a lot as a person, but like as an 
as a creator, it's just like one of those things where like I'm looking for something different now. You know, it doesn't, sure. doesn't mean the same. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Well, I think that's everything I've got. Is there anything you want to add to this? Is there any story that jumped out at you? Is something you'd want to check out? Um, yeah, I did. I, I want to give infinite one of those crises. Crisis. Infinite crisis. Is it the one that yeah. I gushed about or the one that I said was the best event I've ever read? Is if I had to where... make space for one first, I mean, I should probably do continuity, right? Like, like canonical or, or what is it called? Chrono- chronological order. Yeah, but actually, uh, like Final Crisis, Release like might order. as well just be Final Crisis might as well be its like own event to be completely okay. honest, like it, like its own story. And then there's there's tie-ins you could check out, but like they don't really influence the main story. The only one is like included in the book. Like, like there was a Superman, it's called Superman Beyond 3D. It was like actually like a 3D printed fucking comic with like the glasses oh, and shit that you had to like pop out. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I think they changed it for like digital versions. Uh, but like that's like included in the, the trade paperback on Hoopla, you know? So it's like, so it's, I need it's to pretty, find it's pretty contained glasses, is what you're telling me. I think they removed the 3D effect from. from oh, I thought you were saying on Hoopla they had the 3D. Fuck. No, okay, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. I think for that you're gonna have to track down the uh the back issues. The original. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Looking at this, um I almost want you to do to read Identity Crisis and like we do like an episode talking about that. That's the one that I thought was like offensive. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. Alright. <laughs> I love horrible shit. Okay, cool, cool. And again, I think it's well written. I think it's beautiful. I think Rags Morales is like one of the most underrated comic book artists the last like 40 years. But Jesus Christ. And his Christ. name is Rags. So. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty cool. Pretty cool name. Yeah. Alright, I think that's about everything I've got. I put out a call for questions. Um, no one took me up on it, so that's fine. So I'll get you. over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's neat, you I guess. You were on Twitter at this exact moment in time. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Cause it's not like the Celtics are playing tonight. So what are you doing? Yeah. Final thing Nothing. before we go. <laughs> Final thing before we go. Joe Casada announced that he is leaving Marvel Comics today. He has been oh. the editor. He was the editor-in-chief for a long time. And then I think he was chief creative officer. But uh, this podcast wouldn't exist without Joe Casada. Joe Casada uh, was became an editor for the Marvel Knights line, I believe, in 1998, right after Marvel filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. His connections to the indie comic scene is what brought in creators like David Mack. It's what brought in creators like Brian Michael Bendis. The Marvel Knights line became so successful that they eventually gave Joe Casada the job of editor in chief, which helped usher in the Ultimate line, which help sort of like promote Brian Michael Bendis as like a, a, a big writer at Marvel, which led to secret war, which led to Avengers disassembled and new Avengers and, and civil war and house of M and like all these big stories that just sort of like happened under Joe Casada's guidance, I, I guess as editor in chief. So it's pretty exciting. He's got some, some irons in the fire, which I'm looking forward to just because I do think that dude is a artistic genius, but just a quick shout out to, to Joey Q Thank you for all the stories you helped tell us over the years. Wait, so Bendis is taking over? No, is no, Bendis is, is ac- Bendis oh. is actually at DC right now. Oh shit! Okay, never mind. Yeah, he's, uh, he's so ex- who's taking over? D- 
That I didn't read. I, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. Doesn't even I think fucking he, matter. Well, I think I don't think he was the the editor in chief anymore. I think he was the uh, the chief creative officer. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which I think basically just means like ask questions. Like, does this sound good? And he's like, yes, no. Like, I, I think that's more or less what he was doing. Mm. One of them no, I think that I, I think the uh, the editor in chief right now is uh, I'm like 99 percent percent sure it's a person. Let me look. That's this probably up, good. Oh no! I, I was gonna. Because <laughs> I've follow seen it up. cats try to run businesses, and let me tell you, <laughs> priority doesn't all doesn't of. go well. Nope. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's a uh, it's a person named uh, C. B. Sabolsky who was an editor uh, at Marvel, and uh, in two thousand three, this person created the pseudonym Akira Yoshida. And actually submitted work to Marvel under uh, an oh. assumed Asian name, and so like I that remember is... this. Yeah, so that's super controversial, We're mad and like honestly, no one fucking likes him because of this, and I think that's understandable. Um, yeah, so that's the current editor in chief, and fuck, I wish it were still Joe Casada. But also, it felt kind of like have you ever gone to a party and like all your friends left, and you're still at the party, and you're like, I should have left with my friends. Mm, I'm not sure because I usually left first, but I, I think I know what you mean. Okay, then like we would go to a party and you would leave, and I'd be like, "Fuck, I should have gone with Fabio." Like I, okay. I feel like Joe, I feel like Joe Casada just stayed at Marvel longer than like, you know, the people that were there when he was there and the people he brought in there. Like I, I think he was just there like a really long time, and I think he was just ready to to hang it up. And, yeah, yeah. Do you know what he's doing to, next? Or is, he next just, is he just like taking a break? He announced that he is directing a short film that he wrote and I think plans to produce. And he oh, wow. even said, like, I've got Marvel work coming out later this year. Like, I'm 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 leaving my official capacity, like as as this position, but I'm not leaving Marvel entirely. Okay. Like you'll you'll still hear from me, but I got other stuff I want to try out. And like he was like a big like indie comics guy, like in the nineties, right? Like what was the imprint he worked at? Um trying to remember like he started at dc comics in the 90s and then uh he did work for valiant comics and then him and uh his inking partner this guy named jimmy palmiotti they started a publishing company called event comics you know and like that was how they got to know like all these indie creatives that they then brought into marvel after that so oh okay that's interesting well yeah Yeah. uh r.i.p uh i hope your next job is dope um Mm -hmm. give me some money and yeah, thank, yeah thanks for the memory thanks 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 for everything yeah papa joe <laughs> oh papa joe <laughs> fabio that's all i got thank you for hosting this this was lovely thank, it was yeah, very man, informative i, I very miss exciting. you we haven't we haven't really talked in a minute it's been been a while yeah yeah um you know life happens work uh celtics um horrible tragic events and uh, you can't always get to the podcast state studio, you know, sometimes yeah, sometimes that extra 15 floors, you know, it's just it's a lot to it's a long time. Not everybody has that time. Yeah, but it's cool, though, because our our studio is in a building so high we can actually see the curvature of the earth. So it's a pretty. Yeah. Gnarly space. Yeah, I'm really glad we invested in parachutes. It's just so much easier now. It's faster than the elevator. And yeah. honestly, it's less scary than the elevator. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, you wouldn't think, but I've just I've seen 
I've seen Roger Moore jump out with a, a Union Jack parachute so many times. It just felt like second nature. It felt right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks Thank for you listening, so much. everybody. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much sorry. for listening. You, uh, you can reach Fabio at Sabio Fantana on Twitter. You can reach me at PurpleBird616. Uh, for Fabio, I'm George. Thank you so much, and we will be back in two weeks. Arrivederci. Love you, bye. Gorlami. Ha, 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 ha.